0: You're listening to Infertility Bites, a catharsis podcast. Infertility bites, but it bites a bit less when you're not alone. My name is Casey and I'm blessed to be joined by my co-captain in this journey, my wife Sarah. Hello. On this series, we're going to talk about our experiences dealing with infertility um, and eventually IVF, um, which what we had to go through. Um, it's important to note, though, that we are not doctors or even Air quotes experts. We're just people that understand how difficult it can be. Each person's journey is going to be unique, like a fingerprint. So it's best to leave the medicine to the professionals. But you can talk to other people who've been through it to kind of get an idea and, and help you through it. Um, we wish we would have had a yeah. little bit more contact with other people when we were going through it. Um, and and fortunately, um, we went through it and, and things were good. Um, and now if we uh, choose to go through it again, um, if we find ourselves in a position where we can, we're going to have a support system to help us on the second round. Um, on this episode, though, we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the midpoint of our journey. Um, and then we're going to share a, a kind of a shorter story from one of our listeners, shorter than last week's. and maybe a little less emotional so um, we'll see about that uh, but it's not without its ups and downs so um so where we kind of left off last time was uh, we were talking about finally uh getting to a doctor in Kearney who did a little bit more with fertility and took it a little bit serious um my wife was in for her annual checkup and her her gynecologist knew that we'd been trying and kind of asked and and had her do the 3-day cycle test. Um and the results of that came back enough that that she suggested that we talk to another doctor at that same clinic yeah. who did a little bit more with fertility. Yeah,
1: she just started there.
0: Mhm. Now, keep in mind, though, that she's still not a fertility expert. She's still not an infertility specialist um, and, and not an RE or anything like that. Um, but she did a little bit more with it. In fact, like I said on the last episode, we n- didn't have a doctor in the area that was a fertility specialist. Uh-huh. There was another doctor at your gynecologist. We never talked to him, but he would do injectables for people.
1: Well, I, I just know like the, the one person I do know that went through him. He just thought Clomid was like yeah. the answer to everything. Yeah, he would just
0: put you on Clomid, and, and
1: and that's fine. But I mean, well, I mean, if that's what you need, that's and, that's understandable. And here's the
0: deal: for a certain section of people dealing with um, infertility, certain the Clomid would work. Right. Um, if if the problem was almost exclusively in one person, Clomid can work. I've even heard of of success stories with the man getting Clomid um, and and that helping increase their sperm count and, and being able to do it. But but it's really it's a shotgun um, at a at a problem that might need a scalpel, you know, Um, And so but he he was there. He would do injectables. So if someone said, I've been having trouble conceiving, he'd be like, well, here's a bunch of Clomid and inject it. And uh, maybe it helps you out or maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Um, And so we were really a little nervous about the idea of talking to him at all because.
1: Well, and as evident, I've always told Casey, I said, I'm going to see a doctor. I want to see someone that has the same parts as me and can understand when I talk about, I'm not saying a male doctor is not qualified, but they have never experienced a cycle. So Mm -hmm. they don't know when, if I say something's odd or textbook wise, they might be like, well, that's odd, but that's doesn't seem that big of an issue. But if I tell a woman who's had it her whole life, she might be a little bit more inclined to be like, Hmm, I don't know about that. So, and it's just me. I've yeah. always been that way. I just think.
0: I, I still, I'm I am sure there are yes. plenty <laughs> of perfectly knowledgeable and good male fertility specialists and and male gynecologists out there. Um, but I I don't want to go see a, a female you know person about my own genitals. You know what I mean? Um I I get it. It's, there's a comfort level there. Um speaking of my own genitals. This is a really weird segue. Before we get into talking about her first visit with a more fertility specialist doctor, we're going to kind of jump back and talk about after the the variety of things that they put Sarah through to, uh, you know, the, the basal body temperature and the ovulation tests and and just all of this stuff that they put her through and not getting any success, they, of course, turned their, their attention to me. And, and, you know, maybe rightly so. Uh, in reality, um, I'm, like I said on the last one, eight years older than Sarah. Um, and I didn't really get to talk about this in the last, but there is a, a history in my family involving uh, difficulty to conceive. Um, my own mother, uh, who I know listens to this podcast. Hi, mom. Hi, Patty. Uh, before she, before she uh, had my oldest brother, um, they had uh, a dark time in their lives for them uh, with a miscarriage and and difficulty conceiving, and um, and this was fifty some years ago, and fertility treatments at that time were not nearly as advanced as they are now. In fact, basically non-existent. So they spent a lot of time trying to figure out what they were going to do. And uh, eventually um, were looking into adoption. And she tells the story of they, they were um, pretty far along in the process with potentially adopting a child when spontaneously they found out she was pregnant and because of their history there was a lot of nervousness about will they will this baby actually come but at the same point they also didn't want to be adopting a baby and have a baby themselves right at the same time they knew they weren't prepared for that so they had to make this this uh, difficult choice to drop the adoption work uh, to focus on having the baby, but... Which no,
1: must have been hard. Oh. I mean, because if you're already that far along in the process mm-hmm. and then just not knowing...
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the deal, is no knowing that you had miscarriage before and there's a chance that this pregnancy won't turn out the way... You hope it will in the end. Anyways, um, fortunately, um, my oldest brother was born, and so my mom didn't have to hate a miscarriage, have another miscarriage, and hate it and, and feel resentment for having to give up an adoption chance for it. So, anyways, the doctors turned to me and said, "Well, we don't know why you're not conceiving, so we're gonna we're gonna check to see if." Um, if it's on you instead of on Sarah, which for any guys out there listening to this, I, I have a feeling that at least to start off, most of our listeners are going to be female. Um, a lot of that probably comes from the fact that females are the ones who have to deal with the majority of the infertility problem, right? Right. Women are the ones who, who carry the baby. Women are the ones that society tells us you know, need to be mothers. And so they bear the brunt of it, but I'm hoping there's some men out there listening that I can talk to a bit really quickly. And that is, um, I don't care what your thoughts are on, on whether your wife needs to be tested or, or this or that, um, get tested, it's simple. I said on the last episode we have the easiest part of this job. Um, I'll tell you about the hardest part of my all of my testing and all of that stuff coming up here in a bit. But in reality, f- frankly, most of our testing is stuff that we probably already do. Uh, and and so so for me, they of course wanted a sample. And I tell this story because it I think it's humorous. It's a little gross, so warning on that, but I think it's humorous. Um, In Kearney, Nebraska, where we were going through this uh, to start, there is only one processing lab that can do any sample processing of any sorts, right? So when my doctor said, "We we need to do a semen analysis on you, the protocol for it is different than it is in many hospitals in many cities I should say the one lab and hospital that can do currently do semen analysis in Kearney Nebraska is a Catholic owned hospital Catholicism is very famous for its thoughts on uh, sperm and masturbation and this one is no different. So the loophole that they have found there, that they kind of exploit, is they effectively say, you can't come here and, and do the sample on our premises because that would be condoning masturbation, which we say is wrong. What you can do, however, is if you happen to produce a sample into a sterile, sample cup at your own house and then bring it to us we can analyze the sample so the process at that time and it still is in Carney, is you get a sample cup to take home you get some instructions on you have to to wait until X number of days since Producing a sample before whether it's through masturbation or through actual intercourse You have to wait for a certain number of days to make sure you're getting a viable sample um, You have to do your business um, Into this cup. I Don't even know why I'm being being uh, coy about it. You have to masturbate and ejaculate into a cup We're talking about infertility. This is not something that we should be coy about Um but then you have to take this cup seal it up and you have to go out and get into your car and you have to drive across town with this cup full of your own sperm your own semen uh you have to then park in a parking lot and get out and walk through the parking lot and then through the lobby of the the hospital um and then down a hallway and then down an elevator and then across a hallway then up some stairs and then into a into the lab area where you then say hey i have this uh, sample that I need semen analysis on and they're like fill out this paperwork and then then it's okay now that you've done all this you do have to go to admissions and actually check in so that we have a record of you being here so then you have to go down you have to uh, walk back across the lobby to admissions and then you have to sit and sit down in front of a uh, uh Lady at, at a desk, and you have to explain. Yeah, I was, I'm here. I dropped off a, a semen analysis, and and the lady has to has to put all that stuff in and uh, thing, and then you then you get to go home, and um, that's a very awkward awkward thing to do because you know the entire time you're instructed to keep the the sample warm. So you're like if it's a cold, which some of the times when I had to do it, it was winter. So you have to you have to keep this little plastic jar of your own semen and you have to put it in in your coat pocket, hold it up next to your body to keep it warm so that it doesn't. Um, But yeah, and so it's awkward. But anyways, so they sent me to do a semen analysis and the results came back. And according to them, they were low, but not really. Like, they were still normal, but low, low end of normal. Um, so they're like, well, that's probably not why you're having. Uh, so so we want to check for something else. And they said, it's called a varicocele. Sometimes, apparently for men, this happens and it it can cause low sperm count, and it can cause difficulty to conceive. Varicose seal is very much like its name sounds. You know, varicose veins in the leg. Varicose veins are caused by veins expanding enough that the valves inside them that keep the blood flowing in one direction get flipped backwards and the blood can flow in the opposite direction. It's like that except it's for the tubes that carry your semen from your balls to your testicles to the outside so they wanted to check to see if i had one of those and that that maybe was causing things so they made an uh, appointment for me with the local um testicular cancer expert because he's the one who does this and they wanted to do an ultrasound on my testicles so here i have to go in uh to this oncologist um which is already, you know, a little bit freaky when you don't have cancer. Um, but so I have to go into this now. If you know me, you know I'm, I'm about, a, about an average guy in pretty much every respect of the word. I'm a basically average height, you know, above average weight now. But at the time I wasn't quite so bad, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of an average guy. And so I get in here and I'm instructed, okay, you know, strip from the waist down and sit here. The doctor will be in shortly. And so I do that and I strip from the waist down. And again, I am an average white man. Average white man. And the doctor shows up and knocks on the doors, doctor here. And I'm like, okay, come on in and in walks the largest black man I have ever seen in my life. Now, I, I'm not trying to play into stereotypes. I have no idea if this stereotype is true, but here's the deal. When you have the thoughts of a stereotype, suddenly I'm very, very nervous about my own appearance. Um, but I can now say, that, in my life, I have had my testicles fondled by a large black man. So I guess I have that going for me. But they do the tests, Um, they do the ultrasound on my testicles, and they spot no sign of a varicose seal. So that was another test that that effectively didn't get us anywhere. Um, In the end, it's probably good that we got that test, if only to rule it out because it did help push us farther down the road. But it's one of those things where it kind of shows how the doctors at that point were just throwing, throwing darts at a board trying to figure out what was going on instead of just punting and, and taking us straight to a fertility specialist. Um, here's the deal. As much as I make fun of that though, uh, it's, it's small potatoes compared to some of the stuff that Sarah had to go through. So, again, if there are any guys out there listening whose doctors are recommending they get tested in one way or another, it's small potatoes. Uh, most of the time, you just masturbate into a cup, and then they test it, and and you roll on. Is it awkward? Yes. And we'll get to awkwardness more later <laughs> down the road. But, it's
1: awkward for us, too.
0: But it's it's awkward, but it's not painful, and it's not invasive, really. So we finally get to where Sarah gets recommended to a, a doctor who's got some fertility expertise.
1: Well, yeah, because she, the doctor we, we saw in Omaha, she was under her, mm-hmm. yeah. like, in her residency. Yeah, in her so, residency. I mean, I'm not saying she, she doesn't have yeah. some form of infertility mm-hmm. uh, specializing, but, you know, she but, doesn't have Dr. Delaney yeah. specialty.
0: But so she, uh, she does a few tests here and there, and she she does a lot of the stuff that we'd already had to do with tracking basal body and doing fertility tests and stuff like this, and then she decides to order, and we covered it on the last one. Was it totally...
1: H-G-H-S-G?
0: Yeah. Uh, hist- stereogram, something like that. Yeah. Um, Basically which,
1: just seeing if the tubes yeah. are... Mm-hmm
0: with this they inject a dye into uh your uterus into your cervix area and uh they then do um x-rays to see how that dye is flowing through your fallopian tubes to make sure that they're not backed up that they're not kinked or or whatever and all that um this is not a procedure that was done very often in Carney. In fact,
1: I believe it was her first time doing it. it she, was on me. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> um, and it was an awkward scenario just in general because we show up and there's basically no one there, and then they get us into this room, and then it became a parade of people coming in and out of this room. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say your your inhibitions or your worry of people seeing you kind of just go out the door because my joke when all this was through was that it was like a circus people just kept coming in and out of the room and you're basically you know taking from your waist down and
0: and in stirrups and stirrups
1: yeah people i mean they're literally just walking in okay we gotta do this and they're leaving and i'm thinking who was that person why did they need to walk in at this Mm -hmm. moment in time that was the least of my problems. Yeah. I could only laugh about it now, because at the time, I was crying. I'm not trying to scare people. I don't know if it was because it was her first time. I don't know if it was because she showed me the needle before. And she probably... You should never show anyone a needle or anything that's going to go inside you. Especially, you know, in that area. It, it just... I think it was a lot of different things, but... I just remember, uh, it was probably one of the, one of the worst things, to be honest, because I had to be awake for it. I mean, it was different when they took, retrieved the eggs from me. I might have woken up in pain, but I don't remember anything Mm. because I was out.
0: Um, So, so, basically, effectively this, they had her laying down on, on an x-ray table. They had me up near her head. Uh, up near her head to um, help comfort her. I could hold her hands and, and rub her forehead a bit, but I also had to help kind of keep her still because yeah. this was going to be uncomfortable. And, and uh, when they do the the X-rays, they had to be able to to you know see it and have her still. Um, and but
1: I, we'll just say this one thing. And I don't. I, I do know that my doctors have always said my cervix is it likes to hide. And so, I, and that might have been one of the reasons why it was more difficult, which then inversely caused me more pain. So, but that's another thing. If yours isn't that, you don't okay. have that problem, it might not.
0: But part of it is because Carney doesn't uh, do this often, or at least at the time didn't, the room isn't set up specifically for this. It's your standard x ray room and the standard x-ray room the way that they had to do this that putting her on the table her legs were basically pointing towards the door and then there was a little room off with a window in it where the x-ray tech would would sit to run the x-ray machine um but so to do the actual actual procedure of course there's a speculum involved because everything mm-hmm. involving um uh, woman's private areas needs a speculum Um, and and they used a special uh, acrylic one uh, because with the x-rays they needed it to be something that could penetrate instead of metal Um, and and then yeah they injected this dye and it was I, I could tell instantly by the amount of pressure on my hand that it was very unpleasant and uh, like we said Sarah was crying by the end of it and I don't want to
1: and I, I believe I have a pretty high tolerance of pain so it I mean it was something that it just I, to be honest I think when she said at one point she said we might have to just try this again I literally was like dear lord please I don't think I can do this again I, I really just didn't and so I was just trying to find my inner peace because i was so worried they were gonna to have to reschedule this that i just i mean i don't i really honestly wouldn't wish it on anyone because it just i don't know what it was the combination of everything it just was very unpleasant
0: yeah so so moving on from that we finally get done with that they get images that they think are acceptable for it um and they give us, they give us kind of, um, we think everything looks okay, but we're going to look at it closer, yeah. you know, after we'll let you know.
1: I just, I remember her saying one side was very, you could see very easily that it, the die went through, there was no problem. She said the other one took a little bit longer, but it did mm-hmm. go all the way. Cause I just remember that much because I thought, oh, maybe that's something, but. She was like, well, it's really not. It just meant it took longer, but...
0: But so then she said, we're going to look at it more and we'll let you know. And uh, what proceeded was uh, about a week waiting for for results. And if there's one thing anyone going through this uh, is very familiar with, it's waiting. (laughs) Um, Because you wait for results at every step of the way. And every every time you're waiting for results it seems like longer than the last time and worse than the last time but we get the results back and effectively she says it looks fine i don't know why you're not getting pregnant and uh, because i don't know i am going to refer you to a specialist in omaha uh dr delaney and she says, she's the the doctor that I did my residency with. And she's really good at what she does. And she's at Methodist Women's Health here in Omaha, Nebraska. And we're going to set you up a, with an appointment to go see her. And we can talk all we want about these doctors and whether they, you know, pushed us around or whether they didn't take it you know, seriously. And all this but in the end when it comes to Dr uh, Delaney and this particular doctor Dr Torpin, yeah um it, I'm very thankful because this was the moment that we turned a corner and actually started really getting answers getting answers and really addressing infertility um so at this point though through all of this we had not, really figured out money because that's that's the great equalizer when it comes to infertility treatments is dollars and cents so before we get to talking about our meeting with Dr. Delaney we need to talk a little bit about finances in our intro episode we mentioned that we feel like we were actually kind of lucky in this and finances are part of it. But it's not quite how you think. We're not rich. We don't have a lot of money. We, for the most part, live basically paycheck to paycheck. But at the time, we owned a house. And because we owned a house, and we'd lived in the house for nine years at that point, Eight and a half years. Eight
1: something yeah.
0: Um, We had some equity in the house. So before we were able to have our meeting with Dr. Delaney, we knew we're going to have to figure out how we're going to pay for this. Because even though infertility is a health problem, and even though it affects hundreds of people a year, thousands of people a year, many insurances do not cover infertility. And some of them that do still have a lifetime maximum coverage, which usually is less than you would spend if you have to do one round of IVF. So even if you have insurance that covers infertility, you might find that you still have a very expensive out-of-pocket expense.
1: just for example... When she referred us to Dr. Laney and I called their office, they just said, well, just so you know, the first consultation appointment is gonna be $400. -hmm. That was just an appointment to just see the doctor for the first time. That had nothing to do with anything else. That wouldn't include if if she'd had to run other tests or something. That's just, to see the doctor was $400. Mm -hmm
0: and so we had to then at that point make the decision we've got to figure out how we're going to afford this and since we owned a house we knew uh doing a home equity loan or a second mortgage or whatever you want to call it on the house um was going to be an option for us. So we, of course, made an appointment to go down and talk to a mortgage specialist um, at the bank that our mortgage was through about how to a loan to officer, I should say, about how how to best leverage our house. And of course, that's a whole nother ball of wax because they they've got to run your credit. They've got to run this and that. They've got to do an appraisal on the house. They've got to, uh, figure out this, figure out that. And so it's not a quick and easy thing either. Um, and even with all that, we also knew that that would take some time. So that's when we sat down and we said, do we just want to set up a GoFundMe if only to get something right? whether it, it we knew it probably wouldn't pay for the infertility treatment. And spoiler alert, it didn't. It gave us some money, and we are grateful for everyone who donated because it did make the yes. burden less. But it wasn't enough to really, I mean, it it covered the first consultation. it covered gas to and from it. it covered, Parts of the second consultation, it, stuff it like that. At
1: least two consultations mm-hmm. and just gas and but, whatever getting there, but
0: but it, it, but in the end, it was kind of a a drop in the bucket of the whole thing. But it was very important that we did it, and this is why, and it's why we're doing this podcast, because the moment we pressed publish on that GoFundMe and shared it to Facebook this weight lifted off of our shoulders because we were no longer suffering in silence we were no longer suffering by ourselves it was now out there where other people knew and we got calls pretty much immediately from family members saying i i can't believe you've been going through this all this time why didn't you talk about it we didn't know and and yeah, you didn't know we we've been suffering in silence for this. That's kind of the whole thing, but now we were out there in the open with it. And that's like I said, why we do this podcast, because we understand how important it is to have this weight lifted from your shoulders. Um, whether it's putting up your own GoFundMe or putting it out there on Facebook, just saying, hey guys could you pray for us We're we're having difficulty conceiving and we want every help that we can um, or even even just Facebook posts saying we've got our appointment with the fertility specialist tomorrow it's scary um, but the rewards from doing it are are immense because it takes this pressure off you and you're no longer suffering alone you know Sarah had co-workers who came up to her afterwards and like we had no idea you know we're so sorry that you're going through this we're sorry that you had to come to the um baby shower for so-and-so where you know and so it, it freed us up at that point um I had friends and co-workers who came up to me and started talking to me uh, about it, and like I, we didn't know, we always wondered why you didn't have kids, but now we know. Um, I even I had a coworker who very well might be listening to this podcast, who was struggling on her own with fertility, and was talking about making a trip to Omaha with her husband to talk to a fertility specialist here, and we started talking more and more about this, and she started to get braver about asking asking questions to her doctors and and potentially coming to omaha and in her case in the end she didn't end up needing it they were able to get pregnant on their own um and have since had another so they now have two beautiful babies at home but just the fact that we were open about our fertility struggles took a weight off their shoulders that they could talk about it a little bit, even yeah. just with us. And that's why we have this podcast, is to help take some weights off your shoulders. Because I'm, I'm relatively certain that you know someone that is struggling with infertility that you don't even know, right? Um, I guarantee you that... Even if you're listening to this podcast and you've never had to deal with infertility, there's someone you know, likely someone in your own family that's struggling with infertility. And, and it's important to understand that and give them support. Um, I, I read a statistic this week and I'm going to we're going to do a segment on one of these about infertility statistics. But uh, according to this uh, infertility site I went to, it says nearly one out of every eight couples in the United States are dealing with infertility in one form or another. That puts it at about 6.7 million people each year. 6.7 million, right? And in America, one in eight couples. So you think to yourself, do you know eight couples? I know eight couples. I probably know 20 couples. Uh, If I know 24 couples, there's a good chance that three of them are struggling with infertility, right? So most of them are probably struggling alone. We're here to help. This is why we want your stories. This is why we put out this call every week for uh, you to submit your stories of any level. Even if you're just starting with treatments, you just had your first appointment with a doctor about an actual fertility specialist doctor about this, right? Your story probably started years before that first appointment. We wanna tell your story. Um, Or maybe maybe you've been successful. Maybe you've gone through IUI and had a beautiful baby out of it. We wanna tell that story too. Or maybe you've been struggling for 10 years and your doctor can't figure out what's causing your infertility. We also want to tell your story. So that's why we created the Facebook group. Um, it's uh, The Facebook page is Infertility Bites on Facebook. Just search for Infertility Bites or Facebook.com slash Infertility On that page, you will find a link to a Google form that you can fill out and and give us the information that we can tell your story. And we can get the word out on your story and, and spread the word if you've got some way for other people to support you, whether it's a GoFundMe or whether it's a, um, even just prayers, thoughts and prayers. The one last week wanted just thoughts and prayers. Or if you want, uh, if you sell things on Etsy to help pay for your infertility uh those are all ways that we can get the words out for you because we truly want to help spread the word and help you out in this um but i think uh we will stop with our story at that point because that's a good stopping point for now next episode we'll actually get to start talking about our experiences with dr delaney our
1: wonderful drives to omaha and back yes
0: wonderful wonderful three-hour drives
1: for like a 20 minute appointment <laughs> for a 20 minute appointment
0: that were nearly weekly um but it, it was very much worth it but so head on over to facebook.com slash infertility bites um fill out that form you can be 100 percent anonymous um uh for for communication reasons we do ask for an email on the form but we're not gonna um give that email out to anyone it's not used for any purposes other than if we needed to get in touch with you about a question we had um if you need to you can send us a message straight on that infertility bites uh facebook page or you can email us at infertility podcast at gmail.com get in touch with us however you want and and let us know how to tell your story um today we have a story of um someone like I say it's a little shorter than last week's story um,
1: but they're all important
0: it's very important it's it, as always it's a little bit less of a gut punch
1: okay that's good <laughs> but but well, it's, mm, next yeah but it
0: does have um, still some some drama to it that will come up um the person telling the story to us uh, who submitted it is Jeanette Woodley. Her and her husband uh, live in Texas, and uh, they ended up having to go through IVF to have a baby. Um, her husband being her biggest supporter, um, as I think we'll find in lots of these stories, um, is the case. But, but Jeanette, Woodley's well, his story, um, she'd been trying for 10 years with her husband which is, which is a long time. Um, Yeah. And unsuccessful and unsuccessful of course. And um, eventually they had to go through IVF. And when they went through IVF, they were successful and had a beautiful baby girl. And then three days after giving birth, to their rainbow baby she had a rare massive heart attack with pneumonia heart failure blood clots and a host of other issues Christmas. she'd never heard of this pregnancy related heart disease and so she wanted to share her story to enlighten the others encourage them to listen to their bodies knowledge is power um so they they've got their one baby they're not going to be able to have another one due to this um, but they, they are fortunate enough to have their beautiful baby and um, they have some advice for people they say every day is a new beginning take a deep breath and start again as many times as it takes and I think that's a very good message there because the journey of infertility is is full of many heartbreaks and many setbacks and many times when you wake up thinking i don't know if we can do this anymore um every time you you take a pregnancy test because you're you're seven days late or 10 days late or 15 or 20 days late and you finally take that pregnancy test and and then it comes back negative and you just think i can't do this anymore or you or you go through a procedure an IUI and then you get your test results back and it's negative it didn't take and you just think I don't know if I can take this anymore take a deep breath smile and start again as many times as it takes her big thing she her question that she wanted to ask is if anyone else has heard or had a scad heart attack an scad heart attack which is what hit her um so if anyone out there listening ha- knows about this or has had something related um let us know yeah i'd love I've, to hear more stories about it never heard um, of it because it is it is important to know. I, I don't know if it's directly related to infertility or whether it's uh, just something that randomly seems to hit her, but it's still worth talking about a bit. If you want to know a little bit more about her story, though, she does have a YouTube channel where she posted a, a beautiful video about her, her journey. Um, up to it her um, the birth of their baby and then talking about the the heart attack and the effects after it Um, I'll put the link in the show notes to this and I'll also put it up on the Facebook page for people to find um, and go to it you could also just search for Jeanette Woodley I'm sure it would come up there Um, but yeah it's uh, a great little video to watch and go give her a subscribe let her know that um, we're thinking of her and, and and hoping she makes a full full healthy recovery because this really wasn't that long ago. The baby was born you said February, February 4th of this year um, So happy belated birthday
1: yeah
0: um, and uh, we really thought that was that was kind of nice and kind of serendipitous. Um, our own baby would have celebrated her second birthday well, did celebrate. I was going to say. What have. Did sense. I miss something? <laughs> did celebrate her second birthday on the 9th of February. So five days later. Um, so we like we like early February birthdays uh, in this family. So we're, we're very My happy.
1: My niece's birthday is in February. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah. so we're very, very happy uh, to report that she has a beautiful baby at home. Um, but go watch that video. Like I said, the link will be in the show notes for this. Um, or on the Facebook page. But that'll probably do it for this episode for us here. Um, like I said, we've got the Facebook page, uh, facebookcom infertilitybites You can also submit your stories through uh, our email, infertilityBtes podcast at gmail.com.
1: Or just if you have any questions or if you have
0: any questions, I mean... you can message us on Facebook or email us straight at that. Um, but please, uh, I, I know I say this a lot, but it's so important to us to be able to tell other people's stories. Don't ever think that your story is not important or you're just starting the journey. I've said this to people over messages. Your journey started a long time ago. Your journey started at that first failed pregnancy test. That's, that's when your infertility journey started. And before any doctor took you serious on it, you probably had a year of failed pregnancy tests before they took you serious. And if you were anything like us, you might have been in a situation where you couldn't go see an actual fertility specialist. Your story was starting then. We're looking for stories from all sides, not just successful happy ones. We're going to celebrate the successful, you know, finished stories. but. But every book has a beginning, a middle, and then an end. And we're wanting to tell stories on all levels of that. So, Facebook.com slash Infertility Fill out that form there. Again, you can be anonymous if you want to, or you can choose to have your name like Jeanette did. Um, I personally think getting your name out there is, is beneficial and will get some weight off your shoulders. Um, but like I said, if you have a GoFundMe, we'll get your word out. I can't guarantee it'll get more more donations, but it might. And what you got to lose there, right? So, um, but on that note, uh, last week I had a uh, little Stella say bye-bye and blow some kisses. And I really just love that clip. So I'm probably going to continue to have that be the sign-off to this show for a long time. So Until she
1: gives us something else. Yeah,
0: she'll give us something else sometime, but for now, uh take it away, Stella. Say goodbye.
1: Bye. I love you. Hello. Hello. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.